Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Singing for Survival, the Capoeira History podcast. This episode has definitely taken me a little longer to get out than I would have liked, um, mainly because of, you know, things picking up in the new year. I've been teaching adults classes here in California for the last few years, uh, and in just the past, I don't know, five or six months, uh, we've started kids' classes as well. And with the new year, things have been crazy, uh, which is a really great thing, but definitely means I have uh, a little bit more a little bit more responsibilities dividing my time. So anyway, um, for today's episode, we're not looking at a person and we're not even really looking at a legend or a, a concept within Capoeira itself. Instead, I want to talk about a Brazilian cultural folkloric figure, Saci Perere. Saci is a figure that I've been vaguely aware of for some time. Um, I've known several people who are nicknamed Saci. I've heard the name mentioned in songs, uh, but I wasn't really aware of, of who or what he is. I think that there there's a lot of things within Capoeira that for for non-Brazilians can sometimes just go right over our head because they may be more traditional cultural references or or figures or ideas that if you're not entrenched in the culture you might not know what it is and you might not even notice it's there because a lot of these things are, are fairly subtle. Uh, we run into a lot of things like this when we really try to dig into meaning of songs, cultural significance of, of names and things like that. Uh, and Sassi is a really good example of that. Uh, Sassi is, uh, well, Sassi is a, is a folkloric creature, spirit, thing um, that we can kind of tie to a lot of other uh, similar figures, both in more familiar, uh, more familiar to maybe uh, American or European audiences, uh, and also, we can we can draw pretty nice lines uh, to other cultures where uh, where influences from Sassi maybe likely came from. So that's the purpose of today's episode. We're going to spend some time finding out who Sassi is, uh, where the story of him comes from, and what is the the kind of cultural relevance of him today, and why uh, why we see references to him uh, in our music. In, in our names and other things around Capoeira. So, let's dig right in. So let's start by answering the question of who is Sassi Perere? Well, as 
a folkloric legend, there's obviously going to be a considerable amount of variation in in what and who Sasi is, but we can come to kind of general agreement about the basics. Sasi is, at a basic level, a troublemaking spirit, or the trickster of Brazilian folklore. He's most often pictured as a young, dark-skinned boy with one leg and is usually smoking a pipe. In Brazilian culture, Sassi is kind of a, a superstition scapegoat. Uh, he's, he's often blamed for mishaps, bad luck, and household mistakes. Uh, the idea is that Sassi is, is, is a spirit that will follow you around and basically mess up all your stuff. So it, it's the kind of thing where when, when you're having bad luck or things are going wrong around you, um, the, what people will say is that it's, it's, you know, Sassi following you and doing these things. So he's often blamed for spilling things, spoiling food, uh, items getting lost, or uh, kind of oddly specifically knots, knots in, uh, in horses' tails. In addition to being a troublemaking spirit, Sassi also has a number of special abilities or magical powers. It's said that Sassi can become invisible, making him really hard to find, and when he's invisible, he can cause dust devils in the forest with his spin dance. He can also transform into a bird, making him even more difficult to find. All of this gets around the fact that if you are able to overcome all of Sassi's tricks uh, in, in the way he hides himself, and either capture him or steal his red hat, he will grant you any wish to be set free. So let's say you really want to catch a sussy. How do you do that? Well, one way is to get him while he's creating his, his dust devil, while he's invisible. If you can pounce on that dust devil with a, a sieve or throw a blessed rosary beads into it, then you can capture him. Uh, and once you get him, you can coax him into a glass bottle uh, and seal it with a cork marked with a cross. So let's say you don't want to catch Sassy. Let's say he's following you around, giving you trouble, messing up your stuff, and you just want to get rid of him. Well, the easy way is to bribe him. Sassy loves his tobacco, so you can leave some out for him to take and he'll leave you alone. You can also escape him by crossing a river, since crossing that river will make Sassy lose his power. Finally, you can drop a rope full of knots. Sassi can't resist stopping to untie those knots, which will give you some time to escape while he's occupied. So, already, when I was first reading these, these details, the, the first thing that came to mind was a leprechaun, since, uh, according to the most common stories about leprechauns, uh, they're fond of practical jokes on people, they're difficult to find and catch, and if you're able to catch them, uh, then they'll grant you wishes. So I think that it's, it's helpful to start drawing parallels already to what you understand, uh, because as we dig into the origin a little bit, um, we'll see that there's even more parallels to, to cultures that were adjacent to those uh, that kind of mixed together and likely resulted uh, in the birth of Sassi in Brazil. And I think that transitions nicely into the next question, uh, which is where does the story of Sassi come from? So like many of these types of legends, 
there are several different ideas on where the story of Sussy came from, and we'll never really be able to trace the exact line of his development. However, it seems most likely that stories from several different cultures that intermingled in Brazil resulted in the birth of Sussi. This is first just because that's how several cultural elements that we consider Brazilian today uh, form themselves in Brazil. And it's a really direct result of, of the African diaspora and the colonialization of Brazil. What we can do instead is, is put together some similar stories from the different cultures that were present in, uh, in Brazil's development uh, and see how these might kind of connect to form what we know now as Sassi. So the first and maybe the most influential is Yassi Yatere of Tupi-Guarani mythology. Yassi is a magic child with bright hair who would spellbind people usually children. He's generally invisible and carries a staff that gives him his power. And if you're able to take his staff from him, he'll grant you wishes to get it back. Yessi seems to be one of those stories that was used to frighten children into taking their naps to avoid getting spellbound or kidnapped. Uh, kind of like, like a boogeyman uh, in an American uh, cultural mythology or La Llorona in uh, Mexican mythology. Uh, you you kind of find that there's several of these, these mythological stories uh, within varying cultures that seem to be mostly used to get people's children to behave. Um, it, it's kind of it's interesting because you, you see this, this kind of trope show up over and over again. Another potential reference Sassi draws from is the Yoruban Orisha Osain, Osain is known as the god of herbs and is a guardian of the forest. He is often pictured as having one leg, one arm, and one eye, and has great knowledge of all herbs, both the ones that heal and the ones that harm. Some depictions of Sasi also include him safeguarding the herbs of the forest, so it seems very likely that this Orisha influenced him. There may also be some influence from the, the Portuguese Trasgu, uh, who's a creature similar in power to Sassi, uh, but most notably, he also wore a pointy red hat like Sassi does. There's also likely significant Christian influence on the legend of Sassi, specifically from the Portuguese. Um, things like the cross that was needed to seal him in a bottle, uh, the fact that he, he runs away from, from Christian symbology, um, or uh, this sulfurous smell that he's said to leave behind when he runs away. Um, although I'm, I'm a little suspicious that there may be some ties to, to racism uh, with that last one, but um, we'll kind of leave that one. We'll leave that one as is for now. And finally, there may be some Muslim influence as well uh, due to either the Moorish influence in Portugal uh, or the Malays in Brazil. Um, the Arabian legend of jinn, or um, as we call them genies, uh, involved a wish-granting spirit that could be captured in a bottle. So it's possible that this part of the Sasi uh, myth was also influenced by these cultures that were also there. So while we can't necessarily define exactly where Sasi comes from, we can draw lines to the likely various influences within Brazil in its early history. 
like I said, there's so many aspects of Brazilian culture, capoeira included, that are unique products of cultural mixing between the various populations in Brazil, African, indigenous, uh, and European alike, um, that resulted in these cultural products that we recognize today as Brazilian. So from Sassi, when we look at these different examples that we brought up, um, his image may be influenced by the uh, the red hat wearing kind of like trollish creature from Portugal. Uh, it seems that it's very closely tied to Yassi from the Tupi Guarana. Um, and it's even possible that, uh, that Arabian legends uh, like Jin influenced him as well. So I think here is a good place for us to take a quick break. Uh, and rather than looking at a song today, uh, I'm instead going to introduce you guys to uh, another podcast from uh, from a fellow capoeirista, one of my very first friends in capoeira, Natalie, or Fuinha. Um, this is something that I would like to start doing in some of these episodes uh, to help cross-promote other podcasts uh, that are run by capoeiristas. So if you know of any, or if you yourself would like to promote, please uh, just shoot me a message. Um, it's something I'd like to do to, uh, to work on our, our global internet capoeira community. Uh, so with that, uh, here's the trailer for Natalie's podcast. Uh, if you're interested, please do check it out. Uh, it's a really awesome, really awesome storytelling podcast. Hello, adventurers. Do you enjoy stories about monsters and magic? Welcome to Autumn Falls, a cozy small town in the Pacific Northwest. There's mysteries to uncover, but first, let's check in with our heroes. He's scooping about like he probably shouldn't be. I'm Hugo Rashad. Fighting monsters isn't the safest thing. Bright pink, over-caffeinated, it's me, Bethany Miller. When you said disaster queer, every single person looked away. Can I get verbal confirmation that none of you will say anything about what you saw today? Agent Lonnie Whitaker, reporting in from the Eastie Agency. Lucky for you all, Lonnie is very cool. It's really weird and bizarre and a whole lot of feeling stuff that I did not want to get into, so I kind of booked it out of there. I'm Raven Eugenia. Every coherent thought has just left my brain. I just wanted to be friends because that's what everyone else was doing. My name is Damien Edgecrest. I want to be like these people, you know? Clearly talking to the tree is not a normal thing that people can do. I'm Felicity Starnbrook. Surprisingly, I'm useful! If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't want people knowing what I am. I'm Aiden Brightwood. Well, that was not the magic I expected to be practicing. If you'd like to join our heroes as we play Monster of the Week, then check out The Storyteller Squad, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's have an adventure. So now that we've talked about who Sussy is and what are some of the likely origins of his story, I think it's important to get a grasp on how important Sussy is today in Brazilian culture. Um, it's hard to understand exactly why you might see references to Sussy and music and the way we call people um, if we don't know if this is something that has broad cultural relevance. So there's evidence of Sassi legends present in early Brazilian history, but he really came into broader public consciousness in 1918, when Monteiro Lobato published a book called Sassi Perere Resultando de um Inquirito, uh, or Results from an Inquiry. 
Lobato was fascinated with Sassi, and in this book, he compiled different representations and stories of Sassi from all around Brazil. His passion for Sassi legends continued into his series of fantasy novels called Sitio do Picapau Amarelo. This series is considered classic Brazilian children's literature and was hugely influential to modern Brazilian culture. The series was not about Sassi per se, but included him as well as other folklore characters prominently as recurring characters. The relevance of Sitio do Picapau Amarelo has continued today in children's media, with two TV series of the same name, one in the early 2000s with live actors, and an animated series that ran from 2012 to 2015. Uh, in fact, you can find most of the episodes of both of the, the TV adaptations on YouTube if you want to check them out and, and see what they're like. The takeaway here is that Sitio do Picapau Amarelo is an extremely cultural relevant phenomenon, especially to Brazilian youth. And Sassi is a significant part of that partially because of Lobato's work in promoting him, both in this uh, series of novels uh, and in his previous work, uh, where he was really intent on collecting stories uh, about this figure. So what about other references to Sassi in popular culture? Uh, well, in 2005, a cultural NGO within Brazil uh, was working to counter the growing popularity of, of the American uh, celebration of Halloween. So they created the Day of Sassi that was supposed to be held on October 31st in place of that holiday as a more Brazilian uh, celebration. Uh, however, in practice, f few Brazilians really celebrate this holiday, um, but it's something that uh, is carried through to today. In 2001, a new species of dinosaur was discovered in southern Brazil, uh, and it was named Sassisaurus since the skeleton was missing one leg. In 1999, two Brazilian microsatellites were launched that held the names Sassi-1 and Sassi-2. And finally, there's a social network called Sassi that was created at the University of Sao Paulo to support efforts of social and medical rehabilitation for people with physical disabilities. This is just a small sample of the presence of Sassi in popular culture, but it shows that he's a reference that permeates through many elements of that culture. So what does all of this say for Sassi's relationship with Capoeira? First is simply that Sassi being a part of the underlying cultural consciousness makes it almost inevitable that he would find his way into Capoeira music and imagery, especially in the modern era where we've seen Sassi has is, is kind of gained relevance due to some of the, the, the popular media. But if we think a bit about Sassi's image and character, I think it's evident that he would be an attractive figure to be absorbed into Capoeira. Sassi is superhumanly agile, he is a trickster spirit, and he deftly avoids capture while only having one leg. This fits right in with the spirit of malandragem, malicia, and even just the physicality of capoeira. I think this is why you see people nicknamed Sassi and Sassi referenced in songs. Because Sassi being a trickster is, is just a really capoeira thing. Um, capoeira is, is about soft power. It's about 
Um, it's about evading. It's about negasa. It's about things that I think Sasi falls into really nicely. So I think it's it's obvious that even more than it just being a underlying cultural consciousness throughout Brazil, uh, it's specifically something that Capoeiristas would want to pull from. So that wraps up our little mini portrait of Sassi. Um, this is really only a small sampling of what Sassi is and what he means kind of culturally. Um, it's really impossible to give that, that kind of underlying cultural uh, knowledge in just 20 whatever minutes. Um, but I, I hope that this helps you understand a little bit of who Sassi is in Brazilian culture and uh, what people mean when they're referencing him, either in songs or in names or, or what have you. Um, if you want to find out more, um, honestly, I think that looking at a couple uh, episodes of Situ do Pica Pau Amarelo is a good start um, because you, you, you get an idea of what uh, what kids are seeing of of Sassi and how uh, people who are making that media choose to represent him. Um, and in addition, uh, you can look at, uh, at some of the various books by Lobato, um, but there's certainly a lot to draw from. So, so I hope you, uh, you enjoy this episode. I, I promise that there will be more episodes this year, though uh, I think they'll probably be a little slower coming, uh, but I'm working on it for sure. So thank you again as always, and I'll see you all next time. Vai dançar de uma perna só, o saci, 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 de uma perna só. Quem tá só, fica junto, quem tá junto, fica só. Quem tem dois, já entendeu, quem tem Deus não fica só. Quem tem dois, já correu, o bagulho não dá nó. Já correu, 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 correu pra não dar nó. Tá só.